Well, hello and welcome to Culture at a Crossroads. I'm your host, David Mann. We have this show to explore faith and culture. We want to understand what it means for Christians, for followers of Jesus. We chat with those in the forefront of change. And we've sped up this conversation because the Olympics just happened. And I got the chance to chat with a member of the Canada women's soccer team. Pretty big deal. They had the big gold medal. And this lady scored the game-tying penalty kick that would lead to their defeat of Sweden. With me on the show, we have Deanne Rose, originally from Allison, Ontario. Recently, she was in Tokyo. Congratulations on the big win, and thanks for joining me. Thank you. My pleasure. I'm glad to be here. Well, it's incredible. We chatted five years ago for another interview, and back then, you had just won bronze. And here we are. You've traded that bronze for gold. How does that feel? It feels amazing. It feels um, surreal is probably the best word that I can describe it because I haven't come down from cloud nine yet. I feel like I'm still <laughs> in Tokyo. Oh, yeah. Did you uh, did your team celebrate over there? Yeah, we had we had a couple of days in the village to just like enjoy each other. And hmm. Well, there were so many other good events in the Olympics too. Canada did so well. Did you have a favorite aside from, of course, your team winning gold? Um. I think it would it would track. I'm a, I'm a track fan, so the grass, yeah. Yeah, are you guys friends? I met him at the Olympics this year, so um, I got a chance to talk to him, and that was nice. So that was a good experience for me because last time I was I was pretty young, so I didn't get to have a conversation with him. Huh. And as far as the Olympics go, you know, scoring in that gold medal game, that shot. I mean, people have taken a picture of it, like just right in the top corner. Have you ever scored a goal so precise before in your career? No, I think that's the only that's the only goal that I've scored like that top corner. That top corner. We are linking that in the show notes if you haven't seen the video of the goal. It's incredible. And what do you think was different about this? This women's soccer team compared to five years ago? I think compared to five years ago, five years ago, we had a pretty similar mm-hmm. team. If you look at the people that um, were on this team. The core from last time versus the core from this team is pretty similar, except now we have five years of chemistry, five years of playing with each other, five years of knowing each other. So I think that just helped us to perform as a team. Hmm. How valuable do you think that experience was for you going to Rio and playing while you were still in high school? The confidence that I have now, it gave me um, that experience. It gave me that exposure so I could dabble into the international game back then but now i have a comfort knowing that i've been on the international stage for a while now Mm, that's awesome and and you know this was probably the last olympics for someone like a christine sinclair so do you and others feel kind of this burden now as canada soccer goes forward i wouldn't say it's a burden i think like playing for her for the past five six years has just been absolutely incredible and i've learned so much from her so it is a little bit of a responsibility to take that torch that she's passing to us, but I think we're we're taking it with open arms because we know the legacy that she's left and we know all the work that she's put in and laid the groundwork for us. Deanne, you could inevitably play in five Olympics because you started at such a young age, at 17. Is that still the plan? Five? <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of, I don't have a set time that I want to finish, but... I don't want to um, go past my peak or I don't want to overstay my welcome, I guess I should say. You went from a player in the Olympics in 2016. You were young and 
You got some time here and there. You did score in the bronze medal game. Youngest ever still to score in the Olympics for women's soccer. You have the record, which is incredible. But this time around, you're more of an impact player. But this time around, you're slotted in to go in penalty kicks in the gold medal game. The pressure's on you. Talk to me about that adjustment. Um, I think the Olympics is always an emotional roller coaster because the role that you're given is something that you have to take and you have to really own no matter what it is. So I was excited this time having more of a role and having, I felt more of an impact on this Olympics. Um, obviously I want to move into a position where I get more playing time, but it's all, it all comes in time. And I think like just being patient and, and being open to my role has helped me to perform to my best ability in that role. Now, you came out of a season with the Florida Gators down in the NCAA where you were plagued with injuries. Was there any doubts about whether you'd be able to, you know, be 100% even at these Olympics? Yeah, for sure. I've, I have lingering injuries that um, we saw in my season in Florida, but also coming up to the Olympics. So it was, it was definitely difficult to try to push to be ready, but um, I'm super, that's what makes it all sweeter at the end is that it happened I was able to stay healthy and I was able to perform in this Olympics because I didn't always know if that was going to be a possibility and now you're heading off to Reading England to play soccer what are you what are your expectations for that my expectations is um in the league just as a more prominent player as a more dangerous player and just a more known player I think like I'm really young now I've been on the international stage for a while but just really imprinting my footprint on women's soccer and just being a threat there, playing consistently, playing against top opposition. So I think I'm just going to get better and grow as a player. Hmm. So you've lived in Florida, the deep south, and now you're going to go over to where some people consider to be the birthplace of soccer. Oh, sorry, football is what you're going to be calling it when you're there. Are you excited for that environment? Yeah, I'm excited to be immersed in that football culture. I think it's going to be something different than I've ever experienced Awesome. And just talk to me about the future of soccer in Canada. You know, you guys went from bronze to gold. You're the best in the world right now. This is a really monumental moment for soccer in Canada, but also women's soccer in Canada. I think the Canadian women's national team having three medals back to back at the past three Olympics, but then ending with a gold, I think with the fact that we haven't been in Canada for the past year with the pandemic. We don't have a Canadian league. We don't have professional Canadian teams. We're, we're shorter on resources and, and depth because of that. So I think that this should be a moment where people look back and see we've done more with less. So I think it's time to give us more so we can do more with more. Hmm. And what does that look like for you? I would say professional league for the women's. Right, because I mean, you want the future to go forward. Like, Think about yourself. If you're to go to a different country, play professionally, you end up settling down, having kids. And if they're raised in that country, what's going to make them want to go back? Exactly. Like Canada is my home. So if I could come back and play in a professional league in Canada, that would be ideal. Yeah, that'd be the dream to go right back into the house you're in right now. <laughs> Maybe not Alliston, but <laughs> <laughs> you ventured out. You kind of uh, enjoy the bigger cities. Yeah, I definitely need a little bit more. I'm I'm definitely a small town girl at heart, but I think now that I've had all the experiences traveling all over the world, I think I I need more. Okay, that's fair. And you did touch on the hype earlier. It hasn't worn off just yet, but 
even though it's been a few weeks since the Olympics, uh, you are big celebrities. Uh, you're considered by many, you know, it, this was the greatest moment for Canada at the Olympics. What does it mean for you to be in the spotlight? Like, how do you handle that? For me, being in the spot, I'm not a person that likes to be in the spotlight that much. I, But um, just handling it, I think we don't get as much hype as people think. Do you think that's telling of just the lack of exposure there is for soccer for women and kids? Like, I definitely think so. I think that the teams, TV production, that type of exposure would be great. So, um, but definitely in the small town, like there's a lot of hype and stuff like that. But I just appreciate it because I know that it means that people are paying attention. Even if I don't necessarily want to be in the spotlight, it just means that people are paying attention. People are tuning in. People are supporting the sport in Canada. Yeah, what was that like? Versus five years ago in Rio, you know, pretty full stadium and your games in Tokyo, like the bleachers are almost empty. How did you have to adjust to that? Um, I, at the beginning of the tournament, it definitely didn't feel as Olympic. It made me realize that this is still the Olympics. There's still cameras everywhere. Everyone's still tuning in as the tournament went on and I'd receive messages from back home and and stuff like that, I see how many people are actually tuning in and I see that it's really just, whether they're there or they're not there, they're still with me, they're still tuning in. And that's, I guess, something that you guys would maybe have a leg up on the competition because even though none of you have really been in Canada playing, you had to learn how to handle being away from home. So perhaps you've got some mental strength other teams didn't, some adversity. That's true, yes. Well, kudos to you guys. And I wonder, too, like, I can remember watching, even back in 2012, all the success in Canada women's soccer. And it was exciting, you know, seeing the medal games. But there was always this part of me that kind of wondered, not to downplay the success that you and your teammates have had, but women's rights just aren't the same in other places in the world. So in some ways, there's not as many teams participating. What's your take on that? What's your take on... You know, like someone not having the same opportunities that that you had growing up in Canada to be able to play a sport like soccer. Um, It's definitely humbling to think about, especially I I went to school with I was good friends in Florida with um, a girl who was Brazilian and just learning her experiences growing up versus mine, knowing that we got to the same place. I in Florida, I just realized how much harder it was for her. So I think it's just humbling to think about that. Even though maybe we don't have as much hype as we would like or, or anything like that, we're still blessed with the opportunity to play, to travel, to be able to be on the world stage and have the resources to be able to even have a team that's organized. Hmm. Do you think that sport is important in a country like Brazil? Of course, it's lots of people playing soccer, but especially among the poor, when there's more more polarization than in Canada, kind of gets the attention off of that and onto character development? That's that's the wonderful thing about sports is I think it just brings people together and and it just brings joy, especially in, in places like Brazil. I know like she was the happiest when she was on the football field. So, yeah. So you said earlier that, you know, you're still young, you're 22 years of age and you're going to Reading for the first time. But you're building your portfolio in a, long, a lot of ways as a, as a pro, as a, a Team Canada player. And this platform, it will continue to get bigger. You touched on things earlier like, you know, wanting there to be a women's franchise, a women's league in Canada. 
and this would be an awesome opportunity. What else would you advocate for, though, as you grow as a public figure? If you were to MC an event or to go on national television, what are the things that you would want to make sure that you got to share? Um, I would I would say equal treatment for people of color, myself, women of color, growing up in Canada, being in the States, just knowing um, the different life that I'm exposed to being women of color. So just that equal treatment and and um, with social media and all that, it's a big thing right now with the Black Lives Matter movements and stuff like that. And then I think just aside from that, an increase in pay for women's sports, I think we're, we're growing a fan base and I think the exposure will help that. But I think that is important to recognize how important women's sports are and the investment in women's sports as it is in men's sports. Well, I appreciate you answering. That's a tough question. And, you know, thanks for going there. I guess just one follow up would be that I'm imagine you paid attention to the Euro Cup and that whole tournament. It was documented that there were some players who experienced racism. And I wonder, in your experience as a black athlete, have you encountered something similar? Yes, I've got, um, especially this Olympics, I got some nasty messages from people just hiding behind the screen like I don't know who they are but just saying racist things say for example when I got the PK against the US and and when we won gold so just those are things that I think needs to stop oh I'm really sorry that you received that kind of feedback I was such a unifying moment too a goal that you scored I think it's just something to work towards and I think it's important to see for everyone not just like people of color but all types of people to see black athletes doing great and seeing that they're normal people. That's good. If you could share like a censored version of the messages, like was it solely targeted at your race? I don't even, I don't think there is a censored way that I could say it because there's a lot of discriminatory language. Yes. That's okay. It's kind of giving us a snapshot at least of what it's like to be an athlete of color. Well, my listeners are interested in the intersection of faith and culture, too. And if I consider your life, you know, you've got some Jamaican roots and that's a country that is more spiritual. But I imagine you've been exposed to places like Alliston, Ontario, and a little bit in the States and soon to be in Reading, England, where it's not so spiritual anymore. And in a lot of ways, the way that we approach celebrities, we can kind of worship them. That's perhaps the closest spiritual connection that we have to the world today. You've already shared throughout the conversation that you don't quite feel that the women's soccer is in the place that it should. As you observe other athletes, you know, I'm sure you strive towards being a better player and athlete, someone like a Christine Seclair. How do you reconcile, you know, not wanting to be worshipped, but also wanting to use this spotlight well? It's, it's definitely interesting, especially me being um, young and wanting to express myself and being my own person, trying to recognize that I am, in a sense, a role model to some people. So, and, and I'm kind of, as you're saying, like, put in that role. Um, it's definitely, it's something that I'm trying to balance myself because I think I've seen some... Public figures or like celebrities maybe like lose themselves or trying to please fans, trying to be that role model. But I think something that's important for me is trying to balance both, trying to 
motivate and show people that you can be a real person and strive for big things and have big dreams, but not completely get absorbed in the sport and the hype and and all of that. Do you have some examples of people that do a pretty good job of not getting so absorbed? I think all of my Canadian teammates, maybe it's because I've seen them firsthand with fans and also like with me, I know that they act themselves. So, and they, they try to um, project that onto us, like younger players. So I think a lot of the older, the players that are older than me do a good job of balancing that. Now, just beyond the spiritual connotations that come with celebrities, would you consider yourself spiritual at all? Um, I, I believe in God and I'm um, advocate for him. And I use that as um, a pillar to my success. If that makes sense, I rely on my faith to give me confidence and to give me that peace when I'm traveling, when I'm performing, when I'm communicating with people. Huh. What kind of language would you use to describe your faith? Would you say something like uh, a personal relationship with Jesus? Personal relationship with God. Um, I don't, traveling so much, I can't visit church um, all the time. But when I was younger, I would go every Sunday. Okay, so it's something that you can't necessarily go to, uh, but it's there, it's present, and you appreciate you can worship God at any time. I also understand that you've had some Christian teammates on your candidate squad, like Janine Becky. Yeah. That's really neat. Well, I guess just the last thing, I wanted to circle back. We chatted, Deanne, you and I chatted about five years ago after you came back from Rio, and I talked to your mom then too, and you know maybe you were a bit more of a self-conscious teenager at the time, and she mentioned to me, she said, you know, Deanne doesn't like to talk about this, but Deanne's athleticism is one thing, but she's also a really smart player, and it comes back to her being a chess player. Do you still play chess? <laughs> um, Occasionally, just for fun. I, When I was younger, I used to, my mom used to put me in, like, me and my brothers in tournaments and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, just occasionally. I do, I enjoy it more recreationally now. Right on. Well, I got to ask, did you get swept up by Queen's Gambit? You know, the Netflix series that caught fire last fall? Yeah, I did watch it. Wasn't that good? I think that they are way more advanced than I ever was and ever could be. Oh, so you said you didn't realize how skilled someone can get. Maybe you didn't realize the world of chess until you watched that series like a lot of us. Do you think that had you known that there was such a progression in the game that maybe we'd be talking about your abilities on the chessboard rather than on the soccer field? Possibly. I think I might have started chess a little bit too late based on what I saw in Queen's Gambit. I don't know, but possibly. Well, you know what they say, an athlete's life really isn't that long in their sport. So if you end up getting a second career down the road, hey, maybe we'll circle back and talk some more chess then. Thanks so much for taking this time. No problem. Thank you for having me. Nostalgic even just chatting with Deanne, you know, brings back memories of that gold medal game. Love that we could, you know, learn a bit about her soccer journey. And hey, I'm going to be linking, as I said, on the show notes page. You're going to see that goal highlight, just how beautiful of a shot it was. Top right corner. We'll also have something towards Queen's Gambit on there. And you can also follow Deanne and, and make sure that you're, you've kept up with all of her accomplishments, which are uh, lots. So she's got a, a big trophy case for sure. Also, we're not done with soccer yet. We're working on getting another player from the Canada women's team. Just a huge accomplishment for our country. We want to be at the at the forefront of that, as our podcast goal is. Next week, though, we're going to be in the tech world. 
Amanda Diaz is the CEO and founder of Fetch, Canada's first all-inclusive mobile retail platform. In other words, depending on where you live, what you purchase, Fetch can deliver right to your house immediately. She's a 20-something with 19 employees. It's a cutting-edge product, and she's got big hopes, but a young lady who's grounded in her faith and is extremely conscious to embody Jesus in how her services are carried out. That's next week. In the meantime, follow us, Facebook, Instagram, Until next week, I'm David Mann. Thanks for listening to Culture at a Crossroads. 